Praise the Lord. We're going to pray this morning. Bring all those needs to the Lord. There's so many. I know at the minute we want to pray for. We want to remember uh, Carol and just waiting for Carol to go through for the wee baby. And we want to pray for her. Pray for all the young ones with Hassan, Paula, Vic and James up the north coast there. Just pray the Lord will undertake for them just over the weekend that the Lord would really meet with them. We want to remember we Esther and uh, continue to pray for her. And just pray for the Lord's touch in lives. Also want to pray for Suzanne's mum and bring her before the Lord. She sprained her ankle, not able to get out. The fellowship in church, feeling very low and a real attack of the enemy. So we want to pray for her this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, amen. Any other requests this morning that we want to pray? Trevor? Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's lovely. Amen. Praise the Lord. Just remember Bertie tonight then coming to give his testimony that the Lord will undertake for him. Just pray for souls in this place tonight to be saved. Amen. We're going to pray. Bring it all to the Lord this morning. Amen. Let's pray together. Amen. Just believe in the Lord. Brother Bram, would you pray this morning? Amen. Yes, Lord Jesus. Lord, 
God, where you lifted this man, Lord, out of the gutter of sin mm -hmm. and set him upon the rock, Christ Jesus. Amen. And Lord, how you have used him as a mighty mm -hmm. instrument in my hand, mm -hmm. Lord, for, for many years, Lord. Mm -hmm. And Lord, we're here, and Lord, we just continue to pray for a real deep consciousness of thy presence amongst us tonight. We pray, Lord, for sinners that would be in the meeting, Lord. God, that you'll work in hearts, Lord, that there'll be a conviction in the meeting, Lord. Oh, God, Lord, that there'll be a breaking through, Lord. Why? And, Lord, souls will be born. Yes. And, Lord, we just continue to pray now for the pastor Jesus. as he opens up the word of life. Lord, you'll anoint him, that you'll fall for the Holy Ghost and power. Lord, you'll take him and use him as a mighty instrument in thy hand. And, God, we just pray as thy word goes forth, Lord. God, that you'll apply it to each one of our hearts. Lord, we think of in Scripture about Lydia. Lord, you opened our heart. Mm -hmm. God, we just pray, Lord, you'll open each one of our hearts to thy word, Lord. And Lord, have your way in each one of our lives. We thank you, Lord, that you are the potter yes. and we are the clay, Amen. Lord. And God, just have your way in each one of our lives, Lord. We mm -hmm. want to to you, Lord. Lord, we realize we've only one life to live. Mm -hmm. And Lord, we want to live it to your glory and praise. So Lord, continue with us and do us good and bless us and revive us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Just remember, uh, just some announcements to make this morning. Uh, that is, again, just remember, and Bertie, tonight if we invite the unsaved in and just pray for him as he comes. Uh, just also, uh, we continue on Wednesday night, just in the midweek there with this I thought the breath of God, we've been looking at that, and uh, we know the Lord's presence is, has been among us just on the Wednesday, so we just want to continue on uh, just with that thought, the breath of God on Wednesday night, and then a time of prayer. Uh, and then just looking ahead, just a couple of things to mention. That is, uh, from Monday night, uh, the 7th, Monday night, the 7th of February, um, just over the past year at different times, uh, we've done some discipleship work with some in the fellowship here, uh, but I, I just want to open it up um, just a broader uh, for everyone or anyone who is free to come along to it on the Monday nights um, from Monday night the 7th of February. Uh, we're going to have it just down in the coffee shop uh, there just for anyone who can make it. It'll last about six weeks, but uh, just over the past couple of weeks, I've just been praying into just the Lord's leading uh, for for what what to do or what should we look at or where does he want to lead us and I just really felt of the Lord that we're, we're going to look at the the Holy Spirit and that is to be born of the Spirit uh, to be filled with the Spirit uh, to be led by the Spirit for the fruit of the Spirit for the gifts of the Spirit and that we'll look at that over those six weeks and so if you're wanting to come along to that we'll just be looking at the Word of God um, I, I had looked at different things and discipleship structures, but I just really felt in the last day or two, the Lord just says, just come afresh with the Word. We'll just look at the Word. There'll be time of a prayer to seek the Lord, for to be filled with the Holy Ghost, and, and uh, just to see the leading of the Lord in that. So if you are uh, want to come along to that, uh, would you please just let me know, just it'll be about six weeks uh, that we'll meet together every Monday night in the coffee shop. There will be informal in some ways, uh, so there will be the ability to talk and to ask and to pray with one another. But that's Monday the 7th, 
And if you're free for that six-week period, just if you would let me know um, by text or on the way out this morning, I just need to know numbers and just make a commitment to it that you'll be there and then we'll seek the Lord together. That's starting on Monday, the 7th of February. Uh, also, just another couple of things. Um, our joiner has uh, given us his final bill and uh, we just thank the Lord for David. He, he done a tremendous job. Uh, he was a great help the whole way through the process. He went the extra mile with us, and uh, we budgeted it in there. Certainly, we didn't have any, we just thought of a figure that it might be. Um, but just looking at the work that he's done and looking at our previous joiner, we were thinking somewhere around 13 to 15,000. Didn't tell him that beforehand, of course, but that's what we were. We were thinking, but he's come back with a figure of nine and a half thousand, and he has done a tremendous job. And I thank the Lord for David. May the Lord bless him. And he's getting married this year, and he's trying to build a house in the middle of all of this. And we just pray the Lord's blessing upon David. But we'll have a, a gift day. Um, honestly, I do want to thank him, uh, uh, David, for the work that he's done. He's been a great help, and he's laboured well and everything he finished off the handbar there if you didn't notice it just for the building control to come out all these wee things but i just want to thank the lord for him and uh, that's the the figure so there's that and there was a couple of other smaller bills that just came in towards the end there uh, that make up about another thousand pounds so we need ten and a half thousand pound and we'll have a gift day on um february the 13th february the 13th to trust the lord just for the final the lord's been good to us He's blessed us all the way and he's, and he's undertaken for us in all of these things. And we do want to thank the Lord again. It has been him. It has been him. And we just acknowledge him in all of it. And again, just we'll have a gift day uh, on February the 13th. I just want to also mention one thing very quickly. And that is um, the Lord willing, the Lord tarry. Um, but we, over the next few weeks, I'll just release chapter 2, Acts chapter 2. The kids go this morning, turning your Bible to Acts chapter 2, and we're going to read from uh, verse 14 through to verse 18. Acts, the book of Acts chapter 2, and we're going to read from verse uh, 14. Amen. I'll give the children a wee moment to go out, and then we'll stand their feet. Amen. Praise the Lord. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. Let's stand together this morning. I'll just read the scriptures, uh, 14 to 18. Then we're going to move down to verse 37 through to verse 41. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words, for these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Just on down to verse 37. It says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, 
Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Father, this morning we just pray for your blessing upon your word. Wherever your word is preached, proclaimed this morning, we ask for your anointing to be upon it. Anoint us to preach and both to hear your word. And Lord, we pray, as has been prayed this morning, that your spirit would speak. Lord, that you would speak into our hearts. Lord, we pray that, Lord, we do business with you this morning. Lord, we pray that you'd come, Lord, that our hearts would be open, tender, willing, Lord, to respond to your voice, your voice alone. So God, help us this morning. Glorify your name. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take our seats together. I'm going to speak this morning on the, the deeper life. The deeper life. There's a great need for us today to return to the roots of Christianity. The, I suppose you would say the authenticity of the Christian faith to go back to really what the roots are, go right back into the root of the beginnings and what has led before us as what is a Christian. I know it seems very basic. What is a Christian? What is a follower of Christ? What is a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? We need to go back because there's so much confusion. There's so much today that's happening under the umbrella of what we know as a Christianity that seems so distant from God's truth. We need to look at what it is to be born again of the Spirit of God and to practice our Christianity by the power of the Spirit of God in lifestyle, by the fruit, by the character of a believer, and by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. The revivals of the past, we mentioned them on Wednesday, but the great revivals that have taken place over the centuries, uh, the ones that we know and there are others that we don't know of, but the great revivals subsequent to the day of Pentecost that we are looking at here of Peter and the apostles has always been to bring the, the church of Jesus Christ back to the authenticity of the beginnings, what it was at the start, what it was in its birth, and what it was in its practice. We talked about it on Wednesday that the last a sovereign act of God and revival took place in 1949 on these shores anyway that we know of in the Isle of Lewis where God came. There was a visitation of God on the islands and then we know we go back a little bit further again for to see a visitation in the nation of Wales back in 1904. I know there was the 1906 Azusa Street revival uh, where God visited the nation of Wales, the valleys, the hills and the valleys were alive with the power of the Spirit of God. Those Welsh chapels that many of them tragically today are uh, carpet warehouses and discos and mosques. But back then they were filled with the people of God. 
singing the praises of God into the wee hours of the morning as God would sweep in over the hills and the valleys, a visitation of God, but there was always a restoration of what it was in the, as far as the authentic Christianity. God would restore back into the church something that had been lost. We have to go way back for this land to know of a great move of the Spirit of God back to 1859, that great Ulster revival that we so often read of. And we just thank God for those great outpourings as God in each time that he moved. If you look at the Wesleyan revival or the great move of God with the Salvation Army, we see that each time that God was bringing a restoration of something that had laid dormant even amongst the church, Right back to the Reformation, that great Reformation where that was brought back to the church that we're saved by grace alone. It's not of ourselves. We shouldn't boast. But it is a, a, the grace of God that we sang about restored again to the church. It's not works. It's not of anything of ourselves. It's not by what we do. It's all in Him by faith alone and how God moved and brought back those great truths. We know again and see it, that great outreach work of the Salvation Army, the great move of the Spirit of God. The men went out into the highways and the byways, into the dens of iniquity, bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Wesleyan revival, he was shut out of the pulpits all across England, stood on his grandfather's grave, knowing that all a man needed was to be called of God to preach the gospel, stood on his grave and preached the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, right up into that great awakening in the 1904 revival, 1906 awakening of Pentecost, a renewal of being filled with the Holy Ghost. In Azusa Street, that God would take a black man who wasn't even allowed to sit in the Bible school. He would take the unlikely and the, and the rejected, but he took this black man, William Seymour, and how God filled him with the power of his spirit and the renewal of Pentecost swept across the nations of the world. And so we know that God brings back something of the authenticity of what it was in the beginning, what God began with, what his heart was as he lays it out here for us, historically accurate, but also practically a reality in our lives today, how we're to live as believers. It's the burden of Habakkuk the prophet. In Habakkuk chapter 1, if you turn over, I believe it's something of the burden of our hearts today. It's something of the cry that, that is in our, in our hearts as we see where we are, we see the, the apostasy, we see the mixture, we see that Christianity has almost become something in many parts that is so distant or so foreign from what the Bible says. But Habakkuk cries in chapter 1 and verse 1, he says there's a burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. He cried, O Lord, he said, how long shall I cry, thou wilt not Thou wilt not hear. How long will we cry out and you will not hear? Even cry out unto thee of violence and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity, cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me and there are that rise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slack. The judgment, the judgment doth never go forth for the wicked, the wicked doth compass about the righteous, therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. Is that not exactly where we are? Is that not what we see? Is that not our prayer? Is that not what we understand it to be? It seems like the wicked, uh, they, they compass the righteous and there's wrong judgment. 
There's wrong judgment. It aggrieves our hearts in what we see. It seems as though wickedness is prospering and the prophet is crying out to the Lord, How long? How long? How long? And in all of this, we <clears throat> have, a, have a mixture of what Christianity has become. It's a very broad term. You know, in one of the polls or one of the things that they do a few years ago, they, they said something like 72% of people in the United Kingdom call themselves a Christian. 72% a Christian. Well, brothers and sisters, the Bible says that righteousness exalts the nation. And if 72% of the nation were born-again believers and filled with the Holy Ghost, I believe we'd be living in a different nation from what it is. Today we have a mixture of what Christianity has become. There's a mixture of tradition that comes in, philosophy, human wisdom, and there's buildings that are simply filled with people today that say, I'm a follower of Jesus, but never show any indication of a desire or a lifestyle or a desire for the winning of souls or a desire to seek the Lord in prayer or sacrifice unto the Lord. There's nothing of that. It's just we go to church on a Sunday and we're Christians. And there's no desire to follow the Lord, to know the Lord, for a deeper walk with Him, to get into a, a new place with God, to really know the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says that I might know Him. I want to know Him. This man that I've met that has changed my life, I'm born of the Spirit of God, and the whole purpose of my existence is that I want to know Him more. Something has happened over the centuries or over the decades, certainly, that... There has been, uh, like as it was, and that Christianity has evolved into something that seems so distant from our reading this morning when a rough and ready, uh, probably a man that would not fit most of the uh, Bible school criteria or even on most of our platforms was apprehended by the grace of God, stood up on the day of Pentecost, full of the Holy Ghost, and began to preach the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. And God, the Holy Spirit, moves when 3,000 souls are saved on one day. There seems to be a, a, a something of a, when we were in uh, India, the predominant religion there still just about is Hinduism. But Hinduism, as you know, is a, is a religion of many gods. One of the main things that you had to preach was the truth. And the truth is that Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There is one way to salvation. Hinduism has many gods, so if you tell them about Jesus Tell them about his great love. Tell them about the gift of salvation. Tell them that he wants to bring you to heaven. Tell them that he'll forgive your sins. Tell them that he'll fill your life with joy. But there's no repentance. There's no turning from your sin. There's nothing of that. If you just preach what is mostly the modern gospel without repentance, without the cross, without the being a disciple, they'll say, we want to accept your Jesus. What we'll do is we'll add Jesus to the rest of the gods that we worship. And so you'll find many Hindus are nominal Christians as well. Yes, we believe in your Jesus. But it's not the Jesus that has been preached to them. The Word of God has not been preached in truth to them. But you know, Hinduism has crept into Christianity in the West. 
Because today we see it rampantly all around us that you can just add Jesus to your life. He doesn't have to be your life, but he can be added to your life. You can still live whatever way you want to live. You can do whatever. It comes under the banner of grace. It's not biblical grace, but it comes under the banner of modern grace. And so you can live whatever way you want. There's no cost. There's nothing. You just give him your life. He saves you. Everyone goes to heaven. It borders on universalism that ultimately everyone's saved anyway, which then there'd be no purpose for a cross. And so we have a Christianity today. Sadly, it's more like Hinduism that Jesus is just added to your life. Turn over to Luke chapter 14. I want us to go back to the authenticity of Christianity. Luke chapter 14, verse 25 says these words, Luke 14, 25, and there went out great multitudes with him. And he turned and he said unto them, if any man come to, to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, even his own life also he cannot be my disciple. Whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Powerful words. Is Jesus saying that you are to hate your own mother or your father or hate your wife? Jesus saying if there's anything in your life that takes preeminence over me, I must be first in everything. Not your children, not your wife, not your husband not your mother, not your father. You love them. You honor them. You respect them. You bring them up in my way, your children. But none of those things must take preeminence over me. He says in verse 33, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath cannot be my disciple. This is the words of Jesus. When we read the book of Acts chapter 2, the past few days I've just been refreshing over those few chapters it seems, like, it seems like we've come a very long way from the outpouring, the initial outpouring of the Spirit of God, the practice of the early church. We've come to accept even a lot of things within the Christian faith or even in the Christian practice that the early church, I believe, would have rebuked and rejected immediately as something that was counterfeit. It tells us here of this man, Peter, and I want us to look at Peter this morning. This man, Peter, when we see him standing, just standing on the streets of Jerusalem, a man that was apprehended by the Lord. Here's a man that we know much about his life. We certainly know much about his failures and his irrational uh, knee-jerk reactions in so many ways. But here we see him on the day of Pentecost, standing on the streets of Jerusalem. He's just simply a man that's filled with the Holy Ghost. Did, have you ever looked at him and asked yourself the question, what happened to Peter? What happened to this man that he was so dramatically changed, that he was so different from the man that we read through off the Gospels of often making great and grand statements but never following through on his words? The man that would say that he would never, ever leave the Lord. That he wouldn't allow the Lord to wash his feet. That there were so many things that Peter was just out there, full on, full of sail, saying great and mighty things. And now here we see him standing 
on the streets of Jerusalem, just a man, a fisherman. The Bible says they were ignorant, unlearned men that were just simply full of the Holy Ghost, full of the power of God, full of the glory of God, preaching the gospel. And God so honored the gospel, but used this simple frail vessel in order that he would bring in 3,000 souls on the very same. Isn't that what the Bible says? Isn't that what we read this morning? 3,000 souls were swept into the kingdom of God at the very same day that Peter preached the gospel. Have you ever looked at him and said, what was it with this man, Peter? What actually happened in his life that he was so transformed, so changed, not by what he had done, because we know his failures. All his points are there for us to read. All the things that he said, how the Lord had to rebuke him at times. And yet here he is, this vessel that God would just take up. And was it something special about Peter? I don't believe that for a second. I don't believe that. Was it something unique about him? It was simply that this man, Peter, had an encounter with Jesus Christ and his life was changed forever. If you turn over into Luke chapter 5, I want you to come to this encounter. There was a bit of outworking to be done over this three-year period. Because when we read of him in Acts chapter 2, we have to go back three years prior to this, to this wonderful encounter that Peter had. In Luke chapter 5 and verse 1, I want to read it to you, just a few verses here. But it says these words, It came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep. This is so important. This was a key moment in the life of Peter. What his response was to the word of God, to Jesus that day, was crucial to the dealings of God in his life. This was no chance encounter. This was God in the flesh speaking directly into Peter's life. This rough and this ready fisherman. Never write anybody off. Never write anybody off, no matter how rough or ready they may be. Never write them off. They may not have all their English together. They may not have gone through Bible school. They may not have gone through school. But never write anybody off in God. The Lord says to Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled. We have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. And when he had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their nets break. And they beckoned unto their partners which were in the other ship that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so they began to sink. What a catch. And Simon Peter saw it. And he fell on his knees before the Lord and he said, Depart from me. I'm a sinful man, O Lord. 
He was astonished. And all that were with him at the draft of the fishes which they had taken. And so also was James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were the partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth you're going to catch men. And when they brought the ships to land, look at this, they forsook all, and they followed him. I want to just share for a few moments, and I say this not that I have in any way have reached this point, but I know that I, and I know there's others desire it, there's a deeper place for us with God. There's a deeper life that we can experience in the Lord. There's a place that we can go further with Him. And it's not that I stand here, maybe some others have, but I don't stand here today saying to you, I'm in that place. But I do stand here and say, I do know that I want to be in that deeper place. There's a, there's a call that comes, I believe, more than ever in these days from the very heart of God to His people to get in closer with Him, to get shut into a deeper place with the Lord, to leave, to leave some things in our lives and the mundane things, they may not be sinful, but just things of this world that are too close in on us that are hindering us in some ways from launching out into a deeper place with the Lord, a deeper place of intimacy or communion or renewal or reviving personally in our lives or a strengthening, but certainly an empowerment for the service of God in these days. You see, I, I believe there is a desire in this room, there's a desire amongst the people of God that go further with the Lord, to get into a new place with the Lord. We see that and hear and see and know the, all the commotion of this world. We want to try to shut all of that out, but we want to get into a deeper place with God. Those that go down to the sea in ships, the psalmist says, that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and they see the wonders of the deep. There's a place to go. It's an adventurous place. I suppose in some way I say this, First of all, on behalf of me, maybe others might join me in it, but in some ways I probably see there's a generation that are coming up and they see that there's no real adventure in following Jesus. You, you look all bored, not you, but I'm just saying the, the, the young people today, they see depressed Christians everywhere. And they're saying, well, the things of the world look so much more exciting. It's deception. It's a lie of the devil. It's not true, but it's how the enemy works. But the most exciting life to live is a life for Jesus. And there's so much more than what you currently see that's available to the church of Jesus Christ. And we need to go into a deeper place with God. If we go down into the sea, into the ships, we can see in that place and do business in great waters. We can see the works of the Lord and the wonders of the deep, what God really wants to do in this day. In our reading today, we find a few fishermen's lives were about to be changed forever. Forever, they were never going to be the same. 
This wonderful miracle that the Lord performed in the lives of these ordinary fishermen was so profound, so significant. It was what changed Peter's life. Yes, there was the failures and everything that came after that and the dealings of God and those three years of that earthly ministry as he was dealing with those disciples. But it was Peter that God had led a hold of that day because Peter responded in his heart when God said, would you launch out? And he says, well, look, we have toiled all night, but something about that word that you have spoken, there's something about that man that's standing in my boat there's something about this man, Jesus, that nevertheless, at your word, I'll do it. Something responded in his heart beyond the mundane of just being a fisherman every day. That's great to be a fisherman every day. But there was something happened that day in his heart that he responded. Thank God he didn't take time to consider or to have a meeting about it. He just responded spontaneously. But nevertheless, Lord, See it your word, I'll do this. It was divine and his timing because his timing is perfect. It was at a time, this is how we know it was divine and its timing. It was at a time when they were exhausted. It was a time when they had toiled all night and caught nothing. The Lord's timing is perfect. He knows when to come. You're waiting this morning. You're tired this morning. You're exhausted this morning. You've toiled this morning. But I want to tell you, God's timing's perfect. It was a time when their natural resources had been spent. They had caught nothing. 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 You know, if they had brought in just a few fish, they'd have said, Lord, don't be worrying. We have enough to see us by. If they'd caught in half a net of fish, they'd say, Lord, we don't need to go out again. We've got half a net of fish here. That's going to keep us going for another few days. But the Lord divinely purposed it that that night they caught absolutely nothing. It was divine in its timing where everything of the natural man had been utilized to the full but had achieved simply nothing. God's timing's perfect. It was divine in His purpose because individual lives, God's interested in individual lives. He was interested in Simon. He was interested in James. He was interested in John. There was a divine purpose in their lives. And that was to bring them in of part of God's divine plan, his eternal plan. Do you not know that God knew that Peter would be the one that would stand on the day of Pentecost? Jesus would take these men from living in that day-to-day function and within a few hours completely change their lives. There's a deeper place. There's a deeper place for us in God. The Bible speaks of waters. Ezekiel 47 and 5. There's waters for us to swim in. But this all hinged. And I know this is not popular, but it's just biblical. It all hinged in the obedience of one passionate, perhaps irrational, rough and ready, ignorant fisherman. It hinged on his obedience. Obedience has been removed from the gospel. 
It's called legalism today. But the Bible speaks of obedience. It seemed as though his decision to launch out is a bit random. It seemed, you know, we've lost something of this in the church today. It seemed a bit random. It seemed a bit reckless. It seemed, I could have said, it seemed radical. Of a man whose boat Jesus stepped into. You know, there are many today are happy enough, are just happy enough that Jesus is in their boat. Many of denominations are just happy enough that he's in the boat. Don't get too radical. Don't get too serious. Don't get too caught up in all of this. But if we want to have an authentic Christianity as it was in the beginning, what we read of, then I believe that God is looking for people that are going to go beyond the realms of the natural ability and move into a deeper place with the Lord. Jesus steps into the boat. How many are happy that Jesus is in their boat? I am. I'm delighted he's in my boat. But I know he wants to take these little boats, all these little boats. Some are battered. Some are weary. Some could do with a lick of paint. Some are letting in a bit of water. But he wants to take all the wee boats. And he wants to say these words. Will you launch out into the deep? Are you happy to remain just within the safety of the shoreline? Because see, if anything goes wrong here, I can always make it back. Jesus desired to take these men with Peter and take them into a deeper place. It was critical for Peter. But was he willing this is what we face today. Listen, friends, was he willing to go against the natural thought? Was he willing to go against the natural realm? Faith is not having the resources to do what God wants us to do. Faith is trusting God that he'll do it. Many are waiting today on God to fill up all the bank accounts and God to make all the provision, then we're going to step out in faith. But that's not faith. That's not the faith of this book. He said we've toiled. His earthly wisdom, his own experience, and his own knowledge. The Bible says that the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. But there's a man standing in his boat speaking to Peter. And I believe he's speaking to some, if not all of us this morning. Do you know what he's saying? Will you launch out into the deep? Will you go deeper with me? Peter had a choice. Like some of you have a choice this morning. Obey the man that stands in the boat or go by your better judgment. I'm going to tell you, friends, better to go by the voice of the man that stands in the boat all the day long. This so impacted Peter. Do you know something about him? This so impacted Peter that day in Luke chapter 5 that every time you see Peter after this concerning a boat, he never could stay in it. The next time you see him is in that great storm when they were 
panicking about the storm and Jesus comes walking in the water. Who's first out? Peter. The next time you see him is after the resurrection and all the failures of his life and Jesus is standing on the shore. And what does he do? Someone says, it's the Lord, the one who loved the Lord, that's John. It's the Lord. What does Peter do? Take off his garment and he dives out. You can never keep him in the boat. Because that encounter in Luke chapter 5 had changed his life forever. There's a time and it's been a desire for us for so long. And I say us because I know it's the desire for as a church to launch into a deeper place with the Lord. God has been so good. God has blessed us. God has given. God has given beyond measure. God has given us beyond what we could ever imagine or even think. It's been a blessing of the Lord. But we know that it's about the souls of men and women. We know it's about a harvest of precious souls. We know that there has to be a harvest, an increase. This miracle was about to happen the provision of the fish so it would impact their lives and they would never be the same again. Peter had a revelation of his own unworthiness. You know what he said? Depart from me. He says, Lord, I am just a sinful man. Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not. From henceforth, you're going to catch men. When they brought their ships to land. You know what happened? They just simply that day, they forsook everything and they followed him. This is Christianity. This is what it is to be a believer. This is what it is to be a disciple of the Lord. Do you know what happens? Do you know what the tragedy is? And it happens in all our denominations. Someone comes, gets a call of God in their life, comes into the church says, God's called me. And everyone gets so excited, and rightly so, where? What's happening? God's called me to go to India or Africa or Bhutan or, or Nepal, and we all get excited. The church says, brilliant. Well, we're expecting them then to sell their house, give up their job, and give everything for the gospel, and we'll have a great big service, and we'll send them all off onto the mission field. They're foreign missions. Do you know, friends, we're all missionaries. The early church sold all that they had for the sake of the gospel and they went forward in the power of the Spirit of God, believing the Lord, and they continued in the temple every day, praising the Lord and at their meat with gladness. And they broke bread together from house to house and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and prayer. And they rejoiced in the Lord. But today, it's only missionaries that go to the foreign field. And we'll expect them to labor night and day. We'll expect them to go out into the highways and the byways. Send back your report of the great things that have happened. But if you get saved in Northern Ireland and Ulster, you can keep it all. It's a tragedy of what has happened in our day. The cost of a follower of Jesus... We want to keep everything. We want to hold everything. But Jesus is looking at a few disciples again today. Now we'll say, Lord, what does it mean to us, friends? How much will you take with you? You'll take none of it with you. Naked we come in, and naked we're going out of this world. We'll take none of it with us. 
but all that matters is souls and men and women being saved and living for Jesus. There's a deeper place. Friends, I want to tell you, for the man or the woman that says, I'm going to forsake all. I'm going to give everything and lay it all on the altar. It might cost you your job. I don't know. It might cost you your house. I don't know. It might cost you your car. I don't know. But I tell you, friends, everything must be on the altar. We've come today to have a Christianity, have we not? That's so easy. We make the narrow road broad. We make it easy for all to get in. There's no repentance. There's nothing. There's no cost. There's no cross. There's nothing. And yet God steps in the boats today. And he says, will you just launch out a little bit deeper with me? It was the response of Peter that God had a plan for his life. It had to work out for a few years. There had to be failures. There had to be denials. But in the end, friends, when we read Acts chapter 2, that man that was standing on the day of Pentecost, it was because that day he said, Lord, nevertheless, see it your word, I'm willing to do it. Can God find disciples today? Not decisions, but disciples. Men and women. You know, it's a frightening thing. People say often, well, it's going to be exciting when we get to heaven because where are they going to put you Pentecostals with the, with the Presbyterian and the Methodists? I'm not really interested in any of that. The only people that's going to be in heaven are those that are washed and saved by the grace of God. But one thing I do say, what will be the difference between the 21st century church and the 1st century church? Those early Christians that gave up everything, that were slaughtered, that were imprisoned, that were put to the gal, Nero put them on the end of poles and lit up his garden parties with our brothers and sisters. That's what he did. Nero did that. You think of the Reformation believers and the cost that they went through. Then you come to today, the Christianity of the West. An extra meeting is torture. We argue over even whether we should give anything or tithe when they just give everything. It's a tragedy of our day, friends, that the Western Christianity is so easy when so many of our brothers and sisters this morning are in prison for their faith. Lord, deliver us from ourselves. And may we hear the voice of him that stands in our boat and says, it's time to move away from the shoreline, to launch out into the deep, a deeper place with the Lord. I pray that every one of us would hear his voice, not my voice, but hear his voice, and be willing this morning to say, yes, Lord. Whatever it takes, yes, Lord. Let's pray together.
on together we'll sing it amen thank you jesus
in all of these things. You know, Peter had no, Peter had no idea that day in Luke chapter 5, three years before Pentecost, roughly. He had no idea, no idea that Pentecost was ahead of him. He had no, they had no revelation even that Christ would go to the cross. They had that, they did not have that revelation. But that day in Luke chapter 5, all that God was looking for in his life and in his heart was a response from Peter to say, Nevertheless, Lord, 